This podcast is intended solely for educational purposes and presents information of a general nature. It is not intended to guide or determine any specific individual situation and persons should consult qualified professionals before taking specific action. The views expressed in this podcast are those of the speakers and not those of Milliman. Hello and welcome to Critical Point, brought to you by Milliman. I'm Rebecca Driscoll, and I'll be your host today. In today's episode of Critical Point, we're going to be talking about life insurance, specifically the way the updated FASB accounting standard could have a profound effect on insurers' long-term financials. William Hines and Francois Dauphin are part of a team of Milliman consultants working on what the U.S. GAAP targeted improvements might mean for insurers and the industry as a whole. There are a number of high-level takeaways that we're going to discuss on today's episode, so let's get right into it. William, Francois, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. First, just to give listeners a sense of the big picture, how important is the new U.S. GAAP standard for insurers? William, how often do we see this kind of change? This kind of change happens very infrequently. Uh, Large-scale changes to GAAP financial reporting uh, occurs probably once every 20 years. And what's prompting these changes? Well, I think the goal of the uh, changes is to provide better information to the users of financial statements and think of the users as capital providers to insurance companies, policyholders, possibly agents, people who are looking for, you know, solid companies. Um, but the, uh, the users are looking for more current information about the estimated liabilities on the balance sheet, uh, more up-to-date uh, and frequent updates of what current, current views of those liabilities are. And FASB is trying to, uh, to, to meet those types of requests through the changes in LDTI. We're talking about life insurance. Can you just tell me a little bit about what kinds of products will these changes affect most? Yeah, the, the pr- products that will be affected are a couple of different ones. Uh, Traditional insurance contracts will be affected significantly. uh, These are typically fixed benefit, fixed premium type products like whole life insurance, term insurance, disability income insurance, long-term care insurance, uh, but also contracts like uh, variable contracts and other fixed indexed annuities that have both death and living benefit guarantees they'll be impacted quite significantly as well. And I would say um, across the board, all products are going to be impacted as well with the, um, the disclosure requirements um, introduced by the targeted improvements. As well as the changes to deferred acquisition costs and the amortization of that will affect all products as well. So, William, these are, it's an accounting standard. Why are actuaries involved? Milliman and actuaries are involved in U.S. GAAP because the changes from the targeted improvements primarily impact the quantitative or the, the, the calculations of the reserve liabilities that companies put on their balance sheet. And actuaries are just heavily involved in that activity of those calculations and are best uh, poised to help companies make those changes. I want to break it down into a number of takeaways, starting with the most immediate impact. Francois, what's the first thing that executives of insurance companies need to know about how the standard can affect business? Well, I think the requirements 
for traditional products, um, which is to use unlocked assumptions and discount rates, is going to create significant volatility in the level of income as well as equity. And that is going to be very important to understand what is driving that volatility. So this volatility, what does that mean for CFOs or for insurers? How is it changing the way business is managed? Well, it makes it uh, harder to um, forecast accurately what's going to happen. There's been um, traditionally an expectation that your income emergence or your reserve runoff for traditional business is smooth and that you know, most of the volatility is going to be centered around, you know, your guaranteed minimum, you know, benefits on variable annuities. So now there's going to be an increased focus to explain that volatility for traditional products going forward. I mean, what is the benefit? Why, why make that change? For traditional products, the assumptions that go into the reserve calculations have been locked uh, and never change once a contract is issued unless that reserve becomes deficient. And at that point in time, you would uh, reset the reserves based on current assumptions. But uh, there is no uh, signal within the financial statements that experience is getting worse until the point you your reserve is insufficient. And so uh, users of the financial statements uh, and the, the stakeholders at, of FASB decided that this was something that really needed to change and that there needed to be more information, more, a more current view of where current experience was relative to the reserves. And uh, as a result, uh, FASB decided that they would um, unlock all assumptions for traditional products and make them all current views. Okay, so we've talked about volatility with traditional contracts. Are we going to see volatility in any of the other products offered by life insurers? Uh, yes, we will. Uh, in particular, uh, there's a new category of benefits that's been uh, developed in the targeted improvements called market risk benefits, which are effectively uh, death and living benefits on any uh, annuities uh, that transfer uh, significant market risk to the insurers or uh, possibly living benefits on life insurance contracts. Uh, today, there are two different measurement models used for those types of benefits, depending on the underlying character of the benefit. And FASB has decided to move them to a single consolidated measurement basis, which will be fair value. And the use of fair value for all of those types of benefits will significantly increase the level of volatility in the reserves that are being calculated. And so what, what are the ramifications of that? Well, for insurers, I think you know, there's going to be an incentive now to hedge the risk fully for those contracts as a way to, to mitigate or, or reduce that volatility. But as we know, hedging is expensive. So we can see we, under that approach, um, profitability will be reduced. So maybe an alternative way in which is yet to be explored is if there's reinsurers out there who use a different accounting regimes to report on, you know, might want to take down that, uh, that risk and it might be cheaper for companies to do that. So then there's the potential here for this to almost create a new market for reinsurers. Is that accurate? I think so. Absolutely. And it will depend on their view of the risk and um, whether they're, you know, they're willing to take on it, their appetite. 
what kind of market? I mean, what what sort of? Well, there's always been a reinsurance market for these types of products, but uh, the cost for reinsuring has been pretty prohibitive uh, because companies have been able to um, to re- to not fully hedge and retain some of the risk uh, to maintain some of the profitability. Uh, with the change to market risk benefits uh, moving to fair value, uh, there will be less and less ability of the direct writers to be able to manage this business profitably. Uh, so there will be uh, more opportunities, I think, for reinsurers, especially ones that are not subject to U.S. GAAP, to be able to come into the market and come up with customized solutions. So takeaway number one is really all about increased volatility. Takeaway number two really has to do with data and disclosures and how the updated standard could really change the amount of data that needs to be collected. Is that correct? That is correct. Uh, The requirements for additional disclosures, both uh, in numerical terms, quantitative uh, disclosures, as well as qualitative disclosures, has increased significantly with these targeted changes and will affect all lines of business. Even uh, the amount of information that's going to be required and the level of granularity at which it is going to be uh, need to be disclosed is going to pose a lot of challenges for companies because their systems uh, will need to be adjusted uh, significantly to, to deal with these types of uh, calculations during the financial close process and, and being able to go through an audit and have all the appropriate governance in place. So is the bottom line here, don't underestimate that? That's exactly it. Don't estra- underestimate the amount of additional work that's required for disclosures well beyond just doing the, the normal calculations. Yeah, so it goes um, way beyond um, actual calculations. It impacts you know, various er- areas of the companies. And what, what kind of challenges does that introduce for CFOs, actuaries, executives that need to now, I guess, collect the data, right? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's several different types of challenges here, uh, one of which is actually sourcing the information from new places. Uh, you know, the actual cash flows have never been fed into the reserve systems historically. Um, validating those cash flows are appropriate for those calculations. Putting the controls in place to uh, make sure that the data is appropriately brought through. And then on the other side, uh, sort of the output side of the reserve calculations and all of the, the disclosures, uh, capturing that data in some type of environment, an IT environment, that is also controlled but can be easily uh, brought into the financials is going to pose a significant challenge. So what are some of the ways insurers are responding to these challenges? We've seen a lot of companies implement uh, uh, some very uh, interesting tools to help them through this process, uh, whether it's an outsourcing uh, software type uh, situation or customizing something internally, uh, but basically uh, working through a lot of automation of processes, uh, not just calculations themselves, but the processes to collect and disseminate data and to build uh, repositories of, uh, of financial data, a financial warehouse uh, that companies can use to better manage their business on a go-forward basis, as well as explain how that impact will be borne out in the GAAP financials. You know, we talk a lot about InsurTech and looking at these at changes from a holistic perspective. 
are these accounting standards? Is it compliance? Is it a more holistic insure tech revamping? What, what's your guys' take on this? Certainly, there are companies that are thinking about this from a more of a compliance view. What's the minimum I can do to to be compliant with LDTI and and uh, get through the audit appropriately? But there certainly are a lot of companies that are seeing the requirements here as being fairly significant around other processes other than just the reserve calculations, the movement of data, the, the, the governance processes, the uh, disclosures that are required, the volume of information, and, and thinking more holistically about it and uh, re- trying to revamp all of their processes. And what we're seeing with the challenge for these, these companies are taking the more holistic approach is, is time really because the standard becomes effective, you know, January 1st, 2021 for public, you know, reporting entities. And these these solutions take time and resources to implement. And so right now we're seeing companies also balance what can I do as a temporary solution until I reach the end state of where I want to be. So amidst this uncertainty or all of these changes, how important is the audit process? Is that something that should be happening you know, a few months from now? Is that something that should be happening now? Oh, I think it needs to be happening now. And I, for companies who haven't really engaged with their auditor um, regularly, you know, creating, opening this, this channel of communication is going to be very important. Um, You know, the requirements of LDTI, you know, cannot use um, estimates of actual historical experience, but does materiality play a role in this? The goal here is to hopefully have a healthier system overall. Is that accurate? Yeah, I think that's right. I think what it's going to take a while to get used to uh, because what if you continue to measure the balance sheet on a current basis, you will have more frequent updates to the numbers. You'll have more volatility in income um, and more information being provided through the disclosures, uh, particularly that. And will create, hopefully, a better understanding of the risk profile of insurance companies and how income might emerge over time. Not just for users of financial information outside the company, but even like for the C-suite at companies to, to be able to understand and explain those results. I think this is going to be helpful. Well, William, Francois, thank you for joining me. You've been listening to Critical Point, presented by Milliman. To listen to other episodes of our podcast, visit us at milliman.com or you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or Stitcher. See you next time.